Canada soccer needs to wake the fuck up. This is Tall Can Audio. What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside episode 1069 of Tall Can Audio. Nice coming to you from our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. My name's Matt Robinson. Happy to be joined tonight by our buddy AJ Jackiebeck back in studio. How's it going, man? Outstanding. 1,069, man. You're crushing it. <laughs> we had uh, last summer, hit episode 1,000. You were good enough to send in a little cameo for us, as a bunch of friends of the show did. So, yeah, we're just rolling along, right? And uh, just, just keep pounding them out. Love it. Yeah. Always love coming on. It's, uh, it's good to see you. I think the last time you were on the show was just before you left for Qatar. And so we did that one remotely. There was a... A lot on your plate as you were getting ready to do a month-long trip to, uh, well, anywhere, really. It's, yeah. it's going to be busy. Qatar. So. Yes. Uh, as I found out when I was there, it's okay. not Qatar. Okay. It's not Qatar. I, I heard it's... the odd Qatar. Okay. Like, you'd be on the subway, right? And, yeah. Or the metro, and they'd say Mall of Qatar. And I'm like, it's odd, odd because everyone keeps saying Qatar. Right. And so you, you start to ask, and I asked a couple of people, how do you say it? And it's... It was never like really simple to say it, but it's one of those kind things of along the lines the language, of Qatar. Not the dialect. It's a little easier, right? Maybe that yeah. we just don't have the, uh, I don't know, the tongue for it maybe is, is the way that goes. Um, Want to let the good listener know that next Wednesday morning, our pal Arden Zwelling from Sportsnet will be on the podcast again, talking a little Blue Jays just before he sets off to down to spring training. Um, he's been on a bunch of times before and always does a nice job, so Keep an eye out for that. Also, uh, if you missed episode 1068, that was Kyle Bukoskis from uh, from Hockey Night in Canada making his TCA debut. That was a lot of fun. Had a great chat with him. And uh, if you've missed it, it's at talkinaudio.com or, uh, I don't know, one down from wherever you are right now on your podcast app. Go back, check it out. Uh, a lot of fun. And I want to say as well, next Friday, Angela from the Lake of Bays Brewing Company is going to be here. And AJ, that stems from... Uh, a week ago, when Creech and Kenny were in charge of uh, of uh, in the box, Lloydie was away on vacation. It didn't take long for things to uh, to go off the rails, I guess, because they invited me on, allowed me to come on the show with them and and have a chat. So. Love it. I did not hear that. No. I, did, I did not know about that. Well, I said and, that to them right off the now hop. Now I'm disappointed I wasn't <laughs> listening. I said to them right off the hop, I said, Lloydie leaves you in charge of his show for one week. Four days in, you're already letting people like me on, right? <laughs> it's, it's, um, but what happened? Raising the bar of guests. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Shortly after I finished up, got a direct message on Instagram from someone who was listening, who is the local sales rep for Lake of Bays. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with that brewery, but they're up in I cottage am, yeah. country in, uh, in Muskoka. They said, enjoyed your, uh, your visit, enjoy the concept of your show. Cause creature allowed me to kind of talk a little bit about TCA and what we do. And she said, uh, why don't we set something up? Why don't we have a, a little get together? We'll try some beers on the show from, from her brewery. And, uh, she's a big sports fan as well. So, uh, I think we're doing that next Friday morning on the podcast, a week awesome. from Friday. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. And I think Creech is actually going to join us. He was nice enough to have me on his show whatever benefits came from that, he should probably be allowed to, to partake in a little bit as well. There you so, go. Uh, all works out. I'm going to play pickleball with Kyle Bukoskis tonight as well. There so. you go. It's a small little community, right? <laughs> yes, it is. 
last thing before we tee things up here, um, got an order today from the Kitchissippi Brewing Company. I want to shout them out because... Can I shout out Paul Meek as well? Legend. By all means, yeah. Um, this week, 50 cents from every can they sell is going to help out Bonnie Bunda. And uh, I know you know Steve yeah, Bunda. what a great cause. Yeah, it, it's tremendous. Um, Steve's a great friend of the show. He's been on here a bunch of times, obviously a uh, long time on TSN 1200 as well. But his mom's gone through some hard times. We've talked about that on the podcast here recently. The link to her GoFundMe is also in the show notes and at tallcanaudio.com if you'd rather do that. But if beer's your thing and you're looking for a different way to help out all this week up until Sunday, uh, Kitchissippi, anything you buy from them, will be uh, part of the the proceeds will go towards uh, helping out Bonnie Bunda. So we at wasted no time in in placing an order from uh, Kitchissippi this week seemed like a good time. So this is the uh, Sasquatch Shadow IPA. It is a 6.8%. Uh, we'll see how that goes, but uh, that's a strong IPA for this time of uh, this, well, I guess Thursday night, right? We're, we're cruising into the weekend now and, and that's how things it's go. It's pretty much the weekend. It is. It is. Never mind tomorrow. No. It's, uh, that's Friday. So look, there's a bunch of places we could start, a bunch of things I want to ask you about, but you know, I'm always fascinated by your travels. Um, you know, let's dig into it a little bit. How, how was Qatar or Qatar? Qatar. uh, Okay. (laughs) You'll handle the pronunciation. (laughs) It was, uh, it was a fantastic trip. So we did, I did 29 nights. It was eight nights in Europe. Uh, ended up doing... Two nights in Lille, France, a uh, night in Brussels, three in Sofia, Bulgaria, and two in Athens on the way. Wow. Basically, it was what happened was we originally booked before the Red Black season, and the flight was Ottawa-Toronto, Toronto to Athens, sorry, Toronto to London, London to Athens, Athens through Beirut to uh, Doha. Mm. Then the route got canceled, not just the flight, but the entire route, WestJet from Toronto to London. So that part all got wiped out. So now we were just left with the flight from Athens to Doha. But the Red Blacks were no good. (laughs) And I'm not going to lie, after they lost their eighth game to go one and eight. Ruling out the playoffs. To the Elks. I (laughs) said, you know what? Why don't we go... A week earlier. Yeah. And so we ended up booking. We wanted to wait. We wanted to see Jonathan David, Ottawa boy, playing for his club team before he went there. So we planned it around Lil at home that weekend. And the way it worked was we went to two games in France and one game in Belgium, which kind of was a precursor to the trip because ended up going to 34 games at the World Cup. Wow. And was in Doha 21 nights. <laughs> but we went to those games. It was three games. There was one at like 5 o'clock on the Saturday, then one at 3 o'clock on Sunday in Lille, France, and then one at 6.30 Sunday in Brussels. Okay. So what we had to do was we had to rent a car in Belgium because Lille's right on the Belgian border. Okay. So we had to rent the car in Belgium, take it back to Lille, we drove and we we did a bit of a tour. We did uh, Vimy. So we did Vimy Ridge, yeah, yeah. which was not far from there. And then went to the game at Lille. Sorry, the game at Lens, then the game at Lille, and then drove right to the game at Anderlecht, which we got to the game literally 
right at the start. Like we saw the Just opening been, kickoff, yeah, okay. but we like walked through the roll probably 20 seconds before opening <laughs> kickoff after running out of the stadium at Lille into the stadium at Anderlecht. And, and so it was all that. But one of the coolest things about that was I can't even remember the town Zonenbeek or something like that in Belgium. And that's where we were renting the car. Okay. Because if we rented it in Lille and dropped it off in a diff- different country, it was going to cost us 600 bucks. Right. It cost us 120 bucks to take the Uber half an hour away, get it in Belgium, and return Brought it in Belgium yeah. in Brussels. <laughs> so as we're getting to the that's rental car shrewd, place. That's a shrewd travel move. Oh, yeah. That's, no, that yeah. Was, that's a veteran move. <laughs> but as we were getting to this original place where we were renting the car, we're seeing signs for Passchendaele as well. Okay. And yeah. literally not even like unbeknownst to us, Passchendaele was like Maiden, four. Been to before here. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, they have a little Passchendaele tune. Pretty good. Yeah. So we were, we were like four minutes away from this place. Oh man. So we got in the car and like, well, I guess we got to check out Passchendaele too. Yeah, Cause yeah, the next stop was Vimy. Yep. So it was very cool to kind of get a bit of a world war one. Feel like, and I and Eep wasn't far away, and I'd been to Eep as well before that, but yeah, no, it was fascinating to kind of combine, you know, a little bit of Canadian history, right? I mean, you think about Vimy Ridge, and that's where a lot of people said that Canada truly became a country, hundred percent. So yeah, saw Vimy, saw Passchendaele, saw a pile of soccer games, uh, visited, you know. France and Belgium and Bulgaria. You ever go to Bulgaria? Sophie's Sophie is okay. Uh, Plovdiv is amazing. Okay. Yeah, very cool place. Love Plovdiv. We did a day trip there. Everyone kind of said, we're there three nights, and they're like, you need to go to Plovdiv. So we did, took the bus there. It was a couple of hours, and it was fantastic. It lived up to what you would expect. Athens was kind of as expected. Did the uh, Acropolis and all that, and had some great Greek food, and and then, yeah, the World Cup was, uh, I mean, amazing experience. I could kind of go on. I'll just let you ask what you need to ask. But uh, <laughs> really, I mean, I saw every team there. You're never going to be able to go off to, all off. You saw every team. Saw every team there. That's awesome. 26 group stage games. Uh, went to four games in one day, which was utter insanity. Yeah. So all the Canada games. So, so we s- talked about this before you left. Yeah. The whole country is maybe the size of the GTA, right? And and you were going to be kind of hopping maybe Hamilton to Scarborough. Yeah, not even to, not even that. Right. And like so, literally, I think, so the game, the day that I did four games yeah. in one day, you could easily do two in one day. There was another day that I did three, which was right after Canada got eliminated and was my best decision ever because I was so sour. I just wanted to come home at that point and then got up back on the horse. It was three games the next day. And the first two back-to-back, because in the group stage early on, the games were an hour apart. Right. And the first two back-to-back, it was Cameroon and Serbia, followed by Ghana and South Korea. And at 3-1 Serbia, I'm thinking, okay, I'm probably going to leave this game pretty soon because I've got another game coming up. Well, all of a sudden, Cameroon scores like two amazing goals. (laughs) And it's 3-3, and it's like, okay, it looks like I'm staying till the end, right? And... Sure enough, stayed to the end. I had it timed perfectly in terms of getting out of stadiums and knowing kind of how to do it. 
because, you know, you're talking about 40,000 people leaving at the same time and you could get bogged down quite easily. So I got to the Ghana game like sixth minute and that game ended up being one of the games of the tournament. Ghana ended up winning 3-2 over South Korea. They're down, they're up 2-0 and South Korea tied it and they scored late to win it 3-2. And yeah, so, and then right back, right after that, I was like, all right, you know what? Good to be here again, right? Like sure, the, yeah. The having a good day. disappointment a of Canada games. Yeah. being eliminated was was gone yeah. to a certain. I mean, to a yeah, certain degree, I was still disappointed, but in the end, fabulous trip. Uh, yeah, so I've twenty six group stage games, six of the eight round of sixteen games, and then two quarterfinals. Saw the uh, Brazil Croatia game, which mm-hmm. uh, Croatia pulled off the upset. Yep. And then saw Portugal against Morocco, which was history because Morocco uh, ended up being the first African team ever to reach the semifinals and to do it in an atmosphere like that where it was almost all Moroccan fans was very cool. Moroccan fans, I really grew to respect them when we were there because the Canadian fans for the first two games against Belgium and Croatia were by far the dominant fan base. There are way more Canadians at the game than Belgians and Croatians. Hmm. But then you went to the Morocco game and it was like, okay, they've taken over. (laughs) Like there's still quite a few thousand, like, I don't know, probably 8,000 Canadians, Mm -hmm. maybe 10,000 Canadians at that game. But the rest of the stadium, it was all Moroccans (laughs) and they were making so much noise. It was an awesome atmosphere that I would have appreciated even more if I wasn't so annoyed that we were crashing out of the tournament. I mean, we'd already been eliminated, yeah. but I wanted something like a win or even a point, something to take into the next World Cup. And in the end, wasn't to be. But just the Moroccan fans and how passionate they were. And then you'd see them after and they'd apologize. <laughs> and like, they're just they're nicest, <laughs> nicest people in the world. Yeah. And like, that was one of the cool things about the World Cup is after going, there were so many different places from Japan and South Korea, which were already on my list, to places like Morocco and Ghana, which maybe weren't on my list, but Mm -hmm. met so many cool people from places like that, that I'm like, I need to go there. I need to visit that place. And and this World Cup felt, you know, like, we all know the stories, and and I didn't bury my head in the sand in terms of what was going on, both before, I'm still paying attention to what's going on after, in terms of which you is know, always my, the problem, right? We all go have a party and then we yeah. leave and the country's left to clean it up and, and we just stop paying attention to everything that we were so passionate about before. Yeah, in terms of migrant workers yes. in yeah. particular, that's the one thing I'm very passionate about because those are the people I met there. Right. Okay. Like, you don't really meet many Qatari people. It's 12% of the country. The country is basically built on the backs of immigrant workers. Yeah. And those people are amazing. We met so many great people there and so yeah, like I, I'm still following their cause. Mm-hmm. So there's all that. But for me personally, this World Cup was so special, not just because it was my first and I went to all those games and saw Canada and all that, but because this was a World Cup where it wasn't dominated by the Europeans in terms of like fan attendance, right? A lot of them decided they weren't gonna go for whatever reason. Maybe they're boycotting, maybe they just didn't want to go to Qatar or Qatar or <laughs> whatever they wanted to do. But you met so many people from Asia, from Africa, and that for me was what made this World Cup such a special experience is all those people that I met from places that 
you know, maybe I hadn't met a lot of people from those countries in the past. And, and when those people kind of said, it, it, it made you think, right? Because if you're sitting on a bus next, next to somebody from Zambia, that's telling you, I don't know why the West is so hard on this place. I think it's hypocritical. How do I not listen to that yeah, person? Yeah, right. Yeah. doesn't mean I don't. And, and, but at the same time, then you read stories still about workers that didn't get paid. Right. Right. They're still looking to get paid. And so, so there's this weird kind of push and pull in terms of a balance of how you feel about it. And, and the, the answer is it's gray. It's not black. It's not white. I don't want to be someone that is oblivious to the problems. I want to help raise awareness to some of the problems that you would hope that they would alleviate in terms of treating these migrant workers a little bit better. But at at the same time, I also have to listen to the people who come from places, especially people that come from places that maybe those countries are represented in Qatar. You know, if you're from Zambia, if you're from Senegal or Kenya or Pakistan or Bangladesh. And Mm -hmm. if those people are saying, why are you so hard on this country? I have to listen to that as well. So it's not as easy as this country's good. This country's bad. I think it's a a country that I enjoyed, but at the same time, I I would like to see progress, right? Sure. Doesn't mean I doesn't mean I think I need to go in there and tell them no. how to run their country. I was a guest, right? So sure. I was a guest learning about their culture, learning about what the country is all about. Um, I, I'd just like to see more progress for the people that pack up their life and say, you know what? I'm moving to Qatar. I'm moving to the United Arab Emirates. I'm moving to... Bahrain or Saudi Arabia and all these different places. And, and there's different stories, right? There's and in a lot of cases. Yeah. Just to send money home, right? Yeah. Like a, just trying to help their families. Just to, there's an opportunity here that the conditions may not be great, but I can do some good for my own family. It's hard to, to overlook those, those chances. Right. I, and some of the stories are bad because I read sure. the stories that are bad yeah. and those stories need to be told. And that's why there needs to be continued progress. But I also heard the stories, for example, from, a Ghanaian Uber driver that I talked to that said he works six months a year there mm-hmm. and then goes home, puts his feet up, hangs with his family <laughs> and goes back and works six months a year because he can make $200 US a day driving Uber there. He can make $5 a day working at home. Right, so okay. th- yeah. there's those star- those stories that don't maybe get told nope. as well and it leaves you... Again, I left there just feeling mixed. Sure. And usually I leave places feeling well, it's good for really you to be good about it. Yeah. Right? Like on the good side and the bad side, to come away with an understanding of this is something different for everybody, right? And and your perspective comes from where you were raised and how you're it's interesting. I wonder how many of those people you spoke to, it sounds like you met people from all sorts of different backgrounds, had any interest in traveling or plans to travel to North America for the next one. Lots. Yeah. And, and that was, and one of the things that I, you know, when you, when you met volunteers that might've been from Kenya or wh- wherever they might've been a, a part of the world that maybe economically isn't as strong. Right. right? Yeah. And those people kind of telling you, look, you have any way to kind of get to Canada. Right. It, 
hits home as well, right? Of course, yeah. So, and again, the nicest people in the world. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the people, uh, the migrant workers that were there, and they, again, they're there, large numbers from Philippines, Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, uh, Ghana, Kenya, a lot of a lot of English speaking places within Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, nicest people that that you can ever imagine, and and so yeah, I mean you you felt kind of helpless because you know those people asking you you would have loved to have helped. Sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't really know how to help. No, but like if you're coming to stay in downtown, like. Atlanta or Toronto oh, or oh, prices are ridiculous exactly, all over the place right? like good, it's, it, I don't know what it costs, you know, to get a room or accommodations in, in Doha. Well, I can tell I know you what ex- it costs to get yeah. one in Toronto. No, I can <laughs> tell you exactly what it cost us. And I was there. So I was there 21 nights. Right. And the first 18 nights were, there was four of us in a two bedroom apartment, six of us, in a three-bedroom apartment, back to four of us in a two-bedroom apartment. So for those 18 nights, it was about 2,000 or 2,100 Canadian, right? Okay, so yeah. a little, little over 100 a night, but yeah. obviously. And then the last three nights I spent on my own, but not as nice an area, not as nice a place, <laughs> right? Like I got the cheapest kind of one-bedroom sure. place that you could get, and it was 150 a night, but you're – out in the boonies at this workers, yeah, you know, complex where basically you were sharing a fridge. You had your own your own bathroom, which was fine. Yeah, I wasn't pleased when someone stole my strawberry drink one morning, and I let <laughs> the whole building know that I wasn't <laughs> pleased. But uh, yeah, so but, I know you. I know you like your juice, AJ. I know you. <laughs> well, it was one of those things. Like it was, I saw it in this big supermarket, yeah. Monoprix which I think is a French chain. Okay. It was massive. Biggest supermarket <laughs> I've ever seen. And I saw this like Welch's, like, you know, like got the Welch's. Sure, yeah. The old grape juice. Great, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. this was a strawberry drink. Okay, and I'm yeah. like, okay, I got to try this. Yeah. And then I was so sour, not because it, I, <laughs> my $1.25 drink was gone, but. Like, I was looking forward to that. I was, I wanted to try it, <laughs> yeah. right? And I was just yelling at everybody, <laughs> like not happy at all. And. Yeah, anyways, I mean, it, <laughs> bottom line is this place wasn't unbelievable, no, but it, no. it, it was what it was, right? And, right. Um, but but a lot of people ended up staying out there. It was about a half-hour bus ride from the last metro stop. Okay. So it was You're it was right a haul. There. Let's, let's yeah. put it this way. I was glad I was only there for three nights. Right. I was glad I was <laughs> with three and then five other people at some point because, yeah, at some point... There were six of us together, and it certainly helped cut down the costs. Outside of the soccer, what did Qatar, how did it strike you? Was it, in what ways was it different than you expected? I know we have these preconceived notions of what the Middle East is yeah. looks like, but in a lot of, like, the big cities are just big cities in a lot of cases, right? They they they're, they look a little different, but it's, it's not that much different maybe than being in some other downtowns uh, in other major metropolitan areas. Uh what is, what were your impressions of the actual host city? Okay, so my initial impressions were, man, we're going to spend two and a half weeks in this neighborhood. Okay. I'm a little bit <laughs> n- nervous about this, right? Yep. And and part of that... Now, Ottawa has those neighborhoods. Toronto has... Well, everyone's those got those neighborhoods, yeah, right? Yeah, aren't great, yeah. But 
it was just different, right? Like, and part of it was there was like three places within a block of our hotel that were selling live chickens, like right there. <laughs> okay. So you're not used to that, nope. right? I mean, nope. you're you're walking down the street and you look to your left and there's all these chickens and you know, like you know, <laughs> it's like somewhere in there. Nothing. Yeah. It's nothing you want to see no. or even know what's going no. on, right? <laughs> And this is just like, you know, going down the street and all the, you know, normally it'd be a lint store or yeah. a Circle K or whatever it might be, right? Oh, there's live chickens in there. Okay. And you're kind of wandering, right? But in the end, I really loved our neighborhood. And again, we were in a neighborhood that was predominantly Muslim and um, Afghanis and Pakistanis and, you know, there were Indians and Sri Lankans and you know, people from all that Bangladesh, people from that region, South Asia, right? And yeah, it it became just kind of part of our daily routine. You'd hear the call to prayer in the morning. And so it was different, but really, really ended up enjoying it immensely. And, you know, found our little pockets, found this little shawarma place that was fantastic called Turkey Restaurant that you could get four dollar shawarmas and <laughs> this mixed chicken dinner for like five six bucks that was incredible. So yeah, I mean it was it was really cool. And then I really realized a couple of weeks in when I started to meet other people in different places, right? Like when I say that, like people that you know might have worked in media or were just there visiting the World Cup, mm-hmm. and they might have been in the richer areas, which is probably like on the first couple of days. I'm thinking, geez, I wish we had the money that we were sure. staying at that 1200 a night Hilton or whatever <laughs> it was in the heart of downtown Doha. But then, you know, they're talking about having their $35 nachos and their $25 beers, and we're having our $4 shawarmas and yeah. in an area that was truly authentic. And I felt after a while, and it didn't take long, that, okay, this is pretty awesome, actually. There's a certain... If I'm going to see a place, I might as well see what it's really yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. Its, not its nicest westernized, you know, McDonald's outside the restaurant kind of thing, right? Like, I might as well see what it's really all about. Well, in Doha, again, I left with more. It's the only place I've ever been to where I left with more questions than answers. Right, I, yeah. Like, usually I have a pretty good feel of a place, especially, I mean, I was there three weeks, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. But I mean, that being said, you go to 34 soccer games, yeah. it's maybe not the type of experience you normally would get in a place that you're in yeah, for three I weeks. I wasn't taking in that much culture. But, I was taking a lot of, lot of soccer. Yeah. yeah. But it was it was strange because like you'd see like all this stuff that just looked so opulent and you knew it was a yeah. billion there and a few billion there and, and it's just like snap of the finger. They just like the, the West Bay area, which is the the area that is kind of known as downtown. Okay. There's downtown, there's actual downtown, but this is the area with all the big buildings, right? right? Yeah. And so you'd see all these fancy buildings and I didn't even realize like this area didn't even exist 10 years ago. <laughs> like they just built up all these yeah, skyscrapers no in like a drop. decade, yeah, yeah. right? And so, and then there was one day, like the metro system was new, which was fantastic. It was an amazing system. Right. But like sometimes I'd kind of wander off the beaten track. And this is when I say sometimes, I literally mean the last 
four days I was there because the first 17 days that I was there, I had games and generally multiple games a day. So it kind of consumed you. You got in a routine. You you found your place to eat. You went to the stadium. You went to your next stadium. You went to your next game. You went home. And that was a long day. Sure. Because of, you know, just how long it took to get in and out of stadiums and just the logistics of everything. But when I had a couple of days off, and I'm glad that I stayed because all my buddies had left after the round of 16, and I stayed through the quarterfinals. Mm -hmm. And I'm really glad I did that because I got two days in a row where there were no games. And I just kind of toured around. Right. And, And so one of the days I looked up and I'm like, okay, you know what? I, I could, I'm not even a huge burger guy, but I'm like, what's the best burger here? Right. I'm going to try and find a good burger See spot. if they've mastered the burger. So yeah. found this place that looked really good. And I looked at the menu and they just had these cool different, like they had like shrimp burgers and uh, like just <laughs> like things that were off the wall. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of like a works yeah. type place. Right. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to give this place a try. So I, it was at the end of this tram line. So like the Metro took you to the tram and this is the Lucille area and Lucille is kind of one of the newer areas. The The final game was played at Lucille. They had a stadium that was about 88,000 people, wow. Lucille stadium. And, and it was a newer area and kind of in an area, like I grew up in Edmonton, like kind of reminded me a little bit like a fancy Sherwood park because you can kind of smell the oil, like there are refineries nearby and yeah. stuff. And so it was, yeah, it was just, it was interesting. So I decided to go to this burger place and it was at the end of the tram line. And at the second last stop, a couple of people came up to me and said, this is your stop. And I'm like, no. And they're like, well, this, there's nothing past here. And I'm like, well, no, I'm pointing them to my phone and this burger place. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and you could tell they didn't really want the public to go here. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like they're telling people Listen, get, get off yeah, here. Yeah, okay. And so got to the last stop and get out. And it was this kind of undeveloped part, right? Where, you know, there's no sidewalks and that's fine. <laughs> and I'm just watching walking down this dusty road and could it smelt like Sherwood Park, that smell of oil and gas. And <laughs> and and you could see like in the distance, there's like kind of a, a big box set of buildings and a hotel. And so I start walking towards the restaurant and inside the restaurant, like it was open, mm-hmm. but they weren't taking any people inside. So that you so, wait outside. So they were burger? basically telling people not to go there. Okay. Right. Yeah, because it was yeah. undeveloped. Okay. So they're telling people they don't want you to see. And so that part of the, yeah. yeah. And so they weren't letting anyone inside. They were taking orders. Okay obviously for Uber Eats or whatever it might've been, but they weren't actually letting you inside the restaurant. And I'm like, well, I'm not ordering a burger and then eating out at like here in this dirt road. (laughs) Like it's not happening. (laughs) So I moved on and I kind of walked across a couple of busy roads and found my way to this kind of newer mall, which was, I think Place Vendome was the name. And it's supposed to be like a thousand stores when it's done. And the, they got like 400 stores done right now. And so it was kind of partially developed, but partially not. And you'd go outside and they'd be playing music and the fountains would be going off. And <laughs> so it's trying to be like the Bellagio, but yeah. at the same time, half the stores were not even built. And so it was just, there. it was a lot of stuff like that where it was just odd, right? Yeah. Like it was just strange. But 
you don't feel at all nervous in a situation like that. I'm now taking the tram past where the locals no. have told me to get off. I'm walking up some no, road. I, I don't speak the language. If I do get into I some sort of trouble, English there, okay. so right. yeah. yeah, no, I not at all. I. Yeah, and no, maybe you, I'm man. maybe I, I'm naive. Like I've been to 35 countries now. Months. Yeah, but like I'll, I'll tell you, like when I went to El Salvador, and I wasn't going to be walking around there at night. Right. But I walked everywhere during the day in El Salvador and never felt nervous. Hmm. Never. Just wow. Yeah, I mean, you find a way to blend in. I guess so. I- <laughs> Feel, and then I don't blend in very well. No, there, that's what I'm, I'm saying. I, I'm I quite feel the pale a little better though, guy. at least blending in with my buddies. Now it's just me walking out in the middle of an area they probably don't really want me. I don't know. There's a part of me that would feel a little uncomfortable, but that's why I haven't visited 35 countries. I've visited like four. So, <laughs> and they're all they're all very. They were all happy to see me, right? <laughs> I'm a tourist. They want your money, and yeah. I, I couldn't have gone to a place where the people were happier to see me than El Salvador. Wow. Like when I went to the soccer game and I did not wear Canadian red, I went with two other guys. One was a guy by the name of Eduardo who lives in Ottawa that is from El Salvador originally. And he happened to be there on vacation and timed it around the El Salvador Canada game. And he went to the game and offered to take me to the game. And he did. And he was an amazing host. Yeah. (laughs) And there was another guy that, through the voyageurs that I met that was backpacking around Central America. And he went to Honduras beforehand and went to that game wearing red. Neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. And so he said, I'm going to this game wearing red. I did not wear red. Right. To that game in El Salvador. (laughs) But in in hindsight, I would have worn red. Like if I went again, I'd I'd wear red. Yeah. Because everyone knew we were like the Canadians, right? Sure. Oh and, yeah, and we were a novelty act there. <laughs> I must have posed for fifty pictures. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And and people were so friendly. Yeah, people like people went to that game and they're yelling and throwing stuff at the team and all this type of stuff. And I talked to Julian de Guzman and he thought I was nuts too, right? <laughs> but he got the players' perspective. Sure. When you go, like they're just trying to help their team win. Yep. But you're just a fan, like I was just a fan and. Yeah. You know, I wasn't being an idiot. I wasn't celebrating. There were just very <laughs> quiet fist bumps. Yeah, yeah. After the two Canada goals, <laughs> the Jonathan David goal and the Atiba Hutchinson goal. But beyond that, no, it was, yeah. it, it couldn't have been a better experience. I mean, travel, and this is what I say about travel and all the time. And that bugs me about Ukraine, right? I know we're going a million different sure, directions, but people, here. people read stuff on the internet, right? And they don't know, they might read who they think is telling them the truth, right? Yep. And and they can make up all this type of BS about why they're fighting and all this type of stuff. And I know, the, the reason I know is not just because of my Ukrainian heritage, it's because I talk to people there, I've been there, I have friends there. Like that, that's how you get to know a place. Sure. You don't get to know a place on your phone or on the internet. Yeah. You get to know a, a place. Twitter articles by, a day ain't getting it done. <laughs> by actually going. Yes. And, and and that, you could say the same thing, whether you, you could go to the Southern U.S. and people have these views of the Southern U.S. I did. Right. I, I, I had views in, in growing up in the 90s about what the Southern U.S. was all about. And I went there and it's like people are just people no matter where you go. Right. And every place I've been to, 
people are people are friendly. Right. I, I can't say that. I, I'm not going to suggest that all 209 countries that you go to. And my, by the way, my list of countries, Vatican. I get to me. I don't count that of the 35. I've been to Vatican City. Right. Okay. You need a you you need a FIFA team. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so if you've got a team in FIFA. Yeah. Like so for for example, England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, that's four countries. Right. Because they all have yep. okay. a team that I get that. They that's fair. Yeah. So that's how I delineate the countries. Cause okay. there's there'd be different ways to say, well, is this a country? Is that a country? Is Monaco a country? Monaco doesn't have a an FA. <laughs> Vatican City, I mean, I I don't know, do all the cardinals and bishops Seems go, unlikely, go outside yeah. and play yeah. soccer together and say we're we're the national team? Probably not. Right. So I'm Catholic, I can say that. Yeah. Um yeah, I, so it's 35, but but the reality is no matter where you go, and I'm not sure all 211 would be friendly, but I can assure you of the 35 I've been to, right, all friendly, and whether you go to Latin America, whether you go to, you know, Africa or Asia or wherever you want to go in Europe, if if you're open minded, right, yep, and and you listen, then guess what? You're probably going to be welcomed wherever you go. And it's, that's the beauty of it because you can watch a million different videos. I did before El Salvador. I was nervous before El Salvador Mm -hmm. and I watched the videos and I'm like, okay, you know what? I think I can do this. And then you go and it's like within, I don't know, an hour. I knew I was comfortable. Right. That's (laughs) But you got to be smart about it too. You're not walking around around at one 30 in the morning in the dark. With my wallet hanging. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, no, of course. I can remember you talk about impressions of the South and whatever. I went to South Carolina, which is hardly the deep South or whatever. But I, when we landed, a guy picked us up at Spartanburg Airport or whatever it was. And our cabbie was born in Toronto. And he's like, I know people tell you travel with the Canadian flag was not here. He goes, you're, you're worse than Yankees. Just, you'll be fine, but just don't talk a whole lot about being from Canada. I'm like, well, all right, fair enough. The first morning, you want to try something, right? So we went to some breakfast place, and I had never in my life tried grits before, right? And so I ordered grits with my breakfast, and the woman yeah. looks at me, and she's like, you sure? And I'm like, yep. So she brings it out, and I tried it. I ate about half of them. I ate the rest of my breakfast, and there was probably about half the grits left at the end. And she comes up to me, and I'll never forget in that southern accent, honey, I knew you ain't want them grits. <laughs> but she couldn't have been any more friendly, right? Everybody yeah. was, right? And I have no idea what they think of Canadians. I didn't walk around making a big thing out of it, right? But you were just somebody else at their establishment, treated us fine. And I think that's not El Salvador, but it's just, it's funny. That guy tried to put a bit of a scare into us for whatever reason. Yeah. And turned out to be way off base. Oh, right? uh, uh, yeah. I, and look, he would have been, he's down there on the daily. Yep. Yeah, he's but, probably seen some things. But I can tell you from my experiences, other than New Orleans, and I went two years after Katrina. Right, okay. And I do want to go again and experience it again, yeah, right? Yeah. And I was by myself, but other than New Orleans, and I went everywhere in the South. I I, I can't even tell you just the amount of people I met, the amazing experiences, how friendly people were, people saying, hey, you should come over for dinner. And like it, it, <laughs> it blew me away. It has it, a reputation for a reason. Yeah, right? it absolutely blew me away. Yeah. So that type of, and I always tell people, yeah, I'm from Canada. Yeah. And people couldn't have been more hospitable or more friendly. Love the South. Yeah. Uh, 
let's move a little bit into the actual soccer. I want to talk a bit about what's going on with Canada soccer right now. But while you were in Qatar, it was a fascinating World Cup for the Canadian men, even in you know the the lack of success that they did have. When we all watched that Belgium game here, and I, I you know, I talked before we started here. Soccer is not my you know, number one sport. Yeah. I don't claim to be an expert in any way, but I got swept up in it through the qualifying process, right? And I enjoyed watching it. I had a really good time. I was having fun. I was got, I got behind the team, but it's not one of those sports where I watch thinking I would have done this or I, you know, I yeah, just, yeah. yeah. When they played that first game against Belgium, it felt very much like, oh, wow, like they're in this, right? Like this, this is they lost, but they played well. Was that your feeling in the stadium? And, and based off of that, were you surprised with what happened next? Because Croatia kind of took it to them there afterwards. Yeah, so it was such a frustrating game because there's all these emotions, right? You're back in the World Cup. You get to belt out the anthem with all these. There's thousands and thousands of Canadians there. Like There were dozens of Canadians in our section right. wearing Canada red. At the Germany-Japan game. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we took pictures with a bunch of them. Sure. And so, like, you're seeing all these Canadians. Like, I would expect, I would suspect, like, of the 32 countries there, where was Canada in terms of the amount of fans that we brought? Right. 12th? 10th? Okay. Yeah. Upper half, for sure. sure. Awesome. Upper half. Way more than the majority. And, and that came across on TV. You oh, yeah. You could hear it. You could hear it. Way more than the majority of... European nations. England traveled well. Wales traveled well. Most of the other European nations did not right. travel well, right? So we brought it. And so that there's the emotions of that. And then you get into the actual game. And here you get a penalty. First 10 minutes. Yep. And then you're thinking, like, why is Alfonso Davies going to take this penalty? Like, why isn't Jonathan David taking this sure, penalty? Yeah. Kyle Laren wasn't on the pitch. Right. Otherwise, I think it would have been Laren. But why, like, Lil... Lil's penalty taker is Jonathan David. Like it should be day. And so, and then he missed and it's just like, it, it was when that you already game. Know you're in tough. That's huge. Right. You, that yeah. miss you're like, Oh, is that game that should have been right. Yeah. Should have, would have, could have. And Canada was the better team. And I not just saying that with a bias, like you, you talk to people for, for basically four days after that game. You know, we were wearing red a lot of the yeah, time. Yeah. Someone was always wearing red, red amongst the group, and generally a couple of us at least. And people would come up to us and be like, from wherever they were in the world, oh, man, you guys played so well. You guys deserved so much better in that first game. You should have won that, Thanks. right? We heard yeah. that for four days straight, right. right? And so, which was nice, right? It was, sure. it was one of those moments. It wasn't just like, oh, you guys came here and you're crap. Yeah, no. like even the Aussies, the Aussies made it to the round of sixteen, and they're like, "You guys are better than us," <laughs> and we made. Yeah, so I don't know how we advanced, but you guys are better than us, and they're right. It wasn't yeah. just something they said to be nice. Yeah, they were right, but we didn't get the result in the first game. Then Herdman got it wrong in the second game. Both, like I think, and I think they're correlated. The hubris he had in terms of f Croatia, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can't say that. That that's a veteran group. Look yeah. at the Kansas City Chiefs yeah. and how much they used every little piece that they could. Burrowhead and yeah, all exactly. That stuff. Yeah, 
Exactly. So, yeah. athletes, you're talking about a team that went to the World Cup final well, Croatia, four years ago. Yeah, they got to be looking out at Canada going, really? You? You're saying that to just, us? Like, we'll let show them, you. Like, let them like just sit there being sleepy. Yeah. Don't don't give them any. It was stupid. It was really stupid from Herdman, and I think it matched his hubris in terms of his tactics because I think he really did think they were going to f Croatia. <laughs> and okay, you got the opening goal, and it was a beauty, right? Mm-hmm. And then, but you could just see, like, twenty five thirty minutes into that game, I knew we were in big big trouble. <laughs> like that, they were just controlling the midfield, and we were getting overrun in midfield, and and. He reacted too late to that, and by the time we got back into the game, it was, you know, didn't end up scoring again, but it was too late, and 4-1 was 4-1. They, you know, they deserved everything they got that game, and all of a sudden, here we are. And that was what was so disappointing for me, was, like, if we had a point and we're going into the last game with a chance, with a win and some help, at least you kind of had something. But to have 30 teams still in the mix and – Qatar and Canada as the two teams that were eliminated and yeah. Qatar wasn't very good right. and we were was really frustrating and disappointing but in the end look Croatia made it to the semifinals for a reason Morocco had an incredible run and an incredible story and it was meant to be for them it wasn't meant to be for us and four years ago Morocco had a team that was younger inexperienced went played well but only finished with one point out of a group, Spain, Portugal, and Iran. And four years later, a little bit older, a little bit wiser with that tournament experience, they turned it into a miraculous run. And, you know, we're absolutely deserving of going to the semifinals where they gave France a pretty good scare in the semis as well. So I'm hoping some of the same, I, I guess, development will occur with our men's national team, but... I just worry about these next three years and are we going to get our heads out of our rear ends in terms of Canada soccer and what they need to do. Canada soccer business needs to play their part as well and and find a way to get this thing done with the women and the men so that we just, this should be a time of nothing but positivity right. over the next few years People leading into this so World Cup. People so excited right now instead of what yeah. we're feeling right now. and. and we- Women's World Cup with Christine Sinclair off the Olympic gold medal. And who knows if this is the last major right. tournament she plays in. And we got this great team. And then Copa America next year where we're going to be able to play against the big boys again. And Messi in Argentina and Neymar in Brazil and, you know, Mexico and Colombia and the U.S. and all that type of stuff. And then, you know, leading into and Paris Olympics for the women. And then, right. you know, the the world cup in 2026 and it's going to be here and it's going to be amazing. Like it, even with 48 countries, if, if Toronto's hosting a game between Burkina Faso and Paraguay, it's going to be amazing. That's what I experienced when I was over there at the world cup. And so it should be nothing but positive energy. They need to sort this out. It, if you get a hundred percent of a dollar or 50% of $5, are you better off with 50% or 100%? Right. And so why would sponsors should be absolutely draining their money on the men's team and the women's team who have great teams, but great personalities as well that represent our country in such a positive way. 
They need to sort this out because more money will come into the system. And even if you get less in terms of a percentage, guess what? It's more money for you, the players, for the system, for grassroots, for infrastructure. I get it. It's not an easy solution. We're behind a lot of the world when it comes to soccer infrastructure, and that costs money. But you can't do it at the expense of the players who have carried this, and it's been the women for 20 years, yep. and and the men are right there with them now, and, and it seems like the men and the women are on the same page. So the problem isn't with the men and then the women. The problem is with the other side that can't get their heads together to sort this out. Well, so help me. What What is happening right now because we saw this before the men's world cup and it was it was big things it was little things there was a game scheduled against iran in canada that nobody wanted there was a player strike beforehand there was yeah canada was the only team without a a new kit going like there was all kinds of turmoil well and i can tell you this i can tell you this as well when i was over there and again i went as a fan i paid my own money to go there right i had accreditation but it it was useless. It didn't get me into the stadiums. Right. That's a different story for a different day. <laughs> but only time in my life I've ever, and I've been to Super Bowls and Final Fours and, and Women's World Cups and U-20 World Cups. And anyways, it is it is what it is. But so I went there as a fan, but I did meet some other journalists there. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple tell me, one from the BBC and one from Belgium, Belgium that told me that Canada was by far, they said they don't know who was 31st, but by far the worst team to cover. Wow. Because it was disorganized. They couldn't get Davies. They couldn't get David. It was hard to get a hold of Herdman. Guy wanted to do a feature on Herdman for a world soccer publication. And, you know, like it, it was just an absolute gong show in terms of how this from, was all from sorted the management out. side of things, right. So, and I don't know who's to blame for no, that, no. but when you have people tell you it's easier to talk to Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi yeah. than it is yeah. to talk to your, your <laughs> Canadian, Canadian players, guy, yeah. then you got a problem. Right. And so eventually, if there's a problem between Canada soccer and the men, Canada problem between Canada soccer and the women, problem between Canada soccer and the media, problem between Canada soccer and, and okay, I'm eventually a common there's denominator a, exactly, <laughs> exactly. There's a common denominator. Right. Canada soccer needs to wake the fuck up. Right. So we're, I don't normally swear. I know you're allowed it, but that's what we exactly do. Yeah, yeah. wake the fuck up. Right. So this is happening now on the women's side. This uh, this year, there's a Women's World Cup. And the women right now are down in Orlando. Um, actually, as we sit here right now, they are playing in the uh, their first game against the Americans. Uh, just before you ali- uh, arrived, I saw it was 1-0 USA. They were apparently all over Canada. But uh, maybe part of the problem, that game is not available on television here on at least normal uh, sports channels. But this this Canada soccer is at war now. With the women, and the women are saying that they haven't been paid for 2022, and there was a strike. Those women said, we're not going back to training, and Canada Soccer showed up and said, we will sue the shit out of you if you don't get back to work, and since none of those players have been paid, and even when they are, aren't paid enough, they can't afford to have that fight. What is happening right now with the women's side of things? Can you like take us inside what the issues are right now? Well... I mean, there are many, right? Yeah. In terms of, but you know, I'm just the wrong guy to try to explain yeah. to our audience what what's what the what they're actually fighting about right now. 
Well, I think the biggest thing is they want transparency. Right. So, and I, I don't know if they should get that transparency, right? Like I, to be honest, like if you get a fair deal, do you really need transparency? But, but here's the bottom line. Like we're well, not getting that fair deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when you don't get the fair deal, you want the transparency. Right. And in the end, what they need to do is Canada soccer business and Canada soccer need a way to revamp their deal. So Number one, that was Canada soccer business is handling like well, the they get, TV they, rights. They get the, most of the money. Yeah. That is funneled into Canada soccer, which again, okay, that might help you in the short term because you're getting most of the money, but if you're getting most of the money and that that's exactly why I said earlier about you better off with 100% of a dollar or 50% of $5. Right. I think we know what the answer is. Of course. So rework the deal. Ensure that, okay, the bare minimum standards are set, right? $10 million that was earmarked. Like, we we don't know where that $10 million that was coming to Canada soccer for the World Cup is gone. When you qualify like that, for the World Cup, yeah, they got on the men's $10 million, side. Bucks, right, and no one knows what happened to it. On the men's side. Yeah, and so... Yeah. <laughs> it's That's it's a mess. Mess. no exactly and then then there's all these different deals that they're announcing with different companies and yet their cuts are being made to the programs and it's it's inexcusable right it's inexcusable so all sides need to work together Canada soccer business Canada soccer and they need to find a way to make this work for everybody and and the way I think it'll work because I think the men and the women are on the same page yeah they put out a couple statements yeah. in agreement they are appear to be arm in arm on this. If they weren't on the same page, then it would be problematic. Of course. Because then you could maybe make a deal with one and not the other, but you just need to make a deal with both. But they have to start, they have to make a deal. Like this should have been done certainly before the World Cup. Yeah. The fact that it's lingering now and it's going to linger, like what is this going to linger right through 2026? So you're going to have a program, like are we going to see... An embarrassing host nation. Are we going to see Alfonso Davies say, you know what? I'm retiring from international soccer because that's like Ziyech, who's one of the best players for Morocco, mm-hmm. essentially retired from international soccer because Said, he didn't get wanna, along with the coach. I don't want to. Yeah. Represent. And then, and then guess what? The coach was gone and he unretired yeah. and he was one of the best players in the world cup, but that could easily happen here. Davies and David and all these guys could say, screw you guys. And and the same with the women, right? It's a lot easier for the men because the men, Especially at the millions and millions well, of dollars. Look, not all of them do. No. But but it's all, a lot easier for a Davies or a David to do that because guess what? These guys are worth tens of millions yeah. on the open market. Right. So they could do that. They could put some pressure on. But it's not as easy for Christine Sinclair at the end of her career or some of these other players to do that. No, they they were willing to do they that. Tried, yeah. They were willing to do that. But they could say, I'm retiring from the international game, if if ten of them did it on mass, I mean, maybe twenty three of them do it on mass, and then who are they calling up? So right. I, at some point, at some point, like I think, I think that we need new leadership, much like the Hockey Canada situation. Yep. Like what you get is a situation where people in those boardrooms are used to a certain way of doing things, and they're out of touch. And and all you had to do is 
hear the press conferences of how like the the, the lights in the arenas are going to be who's going to turn on the lights in the arenas well the the community people <laughs> yeah. will do that we don't need you in the boardroom to do right. that we don't need you in the boardroom to give these well, brutal press conferences the Canada soccer the, one of the details that came out was that while the men's team didn't get a new kit or whatever before the world cup all the board members got new suits right uh, yeah. paid for no, they're like what are you doing like, it's completely they're completely out of touch yeah. and look I, I think there should be a some sort of deadline where if if this isn't solved, there isn't a, a deal, a long-term deal with the players, men's and women's, before the Women's World Cup in the summer, these these clowns should be out of there. Yeah. Clean yeah. house. Like when 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 organizations don't work in hockey and football and professional sports, yes. whatever, guess what? They clean People house. Shit can't. They clean house. Yeah. Why why should it be any different? with Canada soccer when they keep getting all these different things wrong. No, hundred percent. And we've seen it this week. The, this organization should be embarrassed because their players are going out and wearing uh, during training. They're, they're, you know, their kit inside out yeah. tonight. They're playing in purple, which is, uh, a, a, you know, a, a, yeah, they got the purple wristbands. Yeah. And uh, the Americans actually, many of them wore it as well in support yeah. of what the Canadians are, are dealing with right now, which is like a, you know, this, I guess, internationally recognized symbol of, of the struggle for equality, right? So they're putting that out there and yeah, the Americans are, are on side with them and have spoken all week in support with them because the Americans just went through this themselves, right? Uh, trying to get the same deal that their men had. So this is a mess. Like, and and you is... can galvanize to a certain point, right? Where you use it as something where it's us against the world and you're all united in the room. But in the end, it's... It's much better if you've got the old Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp, everyone from the custodians to the chefs to the trainers to the owners to the players and coaches and whatever are all on the same page, right? It's us against the world in terms of Canada and the entire country and Canada soccer against the world, not us against the world, this small group of players against... The world that includes your own soccer federation. Right. You're not supposed to have it's to not, fight your own. <laughs> it's not productive. No, 100%. Uh, why don't we touch on uh, CFL? We're a couple days into free agency now. The Red Blacks have made some moves. They've uh, they've re-signed a couple guys. They've brought in some some new faces. What has uh, stood out to you so far in, in free agency for the CFL? At, at least here in Ottawa. Yeah, I think Ottawa's better. I, I don't know how much better. I, don't, I can't give you a win total. No. I, I'm... I've been beaten down, just like the fan base, right? Like I live it, I breathe it. You always it too. come in here for us before the season, and you yeah. you always come off pretty optimistic. And they just keep kicking you in the ass. AJ. <laughs> well, I feel for the fans, right? 100%. I mean, I feel for yeah, the fans, yeah. and I live it and breathe it too. I mean, I've been That's to I've day. been to every Red Black game. There isn't a game. I think I'm the last one left. <laughs> there was Rick Campbell. There was Colin Farquharson. There was uh, R.J. James, the the longtime trainer. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm the last one left. Like even Jeff, unfortunately, Jeff Avery has missed a handful of games mm-hmm. due to, uh, you know, a couple of health issues that uh, he got resolved in the last year. And 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 so yeah, I mean, I live it and breathe it because I've been to every game, and you know, I live and kind of die with this team just like the fans do. And and I feel for them because 23 of 24 home losses is it is it's a disgrace, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. And I don't think like. Uh, 
Here's the thing, and I'm not just saying this because I do like the people there. I think Oseg has done a lot of things right. 100%. Like this yeah. isn't this isn't the Gleberman's 2.0. This isn't <laughs> anything like that. This is just they had some people in place that they had success with, and then those two people didn't get along. They made a choice, whether it was the right choice or the wrong choice. They kept going down the wrong path. And, you know, now they're cleaning up the mess, right? Yeah. So it's been tough. 23 losses out of 24 at home. That's brutal. <laughs> and we, but, we say it all the time. They do such a good job at the home games. And it's a fun place to see a football. At some point, you got to oh, give these people a goddamn win. Right? You, you got to fix the football. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that that's something you can't just do overnight. I do think they've done a pretty good job with that. I also like that there's, you know, from... Jeremy Snyder in the front office to Bob Dice, who's now the head coach to, you know, some of the players like whether it's Nigel Romerk or Abdul Kenna or Richie Leone and Lewis Ward or, um, you know, guys like Lorenzo Malden and Jalen Acklin are back. Right. Mm -hmm. I I like the fact that there's still a core of red blacks players, right. Even though some guys have turned over and they lost your Mateus's and Sinopolis and Avery Williams is gone now. And that's the nature of the CFL, right? Sure, yeah. But there's, it's not like they fully got rid of everybody. No, there's there's still, a, here that... there's still a heartbeat of red black. There's still some guys that know what it means to be a red black, what it means to go to the gray cup when the city is behind you. And it's an awesome city. It's an awesome CFL yeah. city for that. So I'm hoping they get it better. I mean, are there question marks? Sure. Like, you know, you, you look at, I think they're improved in a lot of areas. Well, the defense was already pretty good, and it, it seems to be that the offensive line looks like it should be much improved, right? Like, yeah. They're, they're, they've done some nice things here in the first couple of days, it looks like. Drew Desjardins, like everyone says, like he's going to be a real help to their own line. So all of a sudden you bring him in, and Hunter Stewart's back, and he's probably back as a depth guy. Right. You know, when they brought in Taron Vaughn as a tackle, they brought him in as a depth guy, right? Yeah. So you, you can start to see, okay, your old line, you know, maybe it's Osuji and Boyd as your tackles. And in the middle, you've got Hogan Saint-Don, who they're really um, thrilled with. And they love Jacob Ruby, and he was their old lineman of the year mm-hmm. last year. And then Drew Desjardins, who's, you know, spent last year in the in the NFL in a couple of spots, right? So you got that, and then you've got Pelios and and Vaughn and and Stewart and you know some other younger guys that maybe they draft this year, right? Mm-hmm. And you start to say, okay, you got some pretty good depth. You've got good slotting on the O line, D line, getting Malden back. This That's is big. probably the best D line they've ever had with Malden, Praise Martin Oguike, Kenny Anyeka, Cleon Lang. You bring back Mike Wakefield, Trey Hornbuckle. Like that's that's where games and one are won and lost and. You know, the secondary and linebackers, I think Jovan Santos-Knox had a fantastic season last year. It's tough to lose Avery Williams, but at the same time, last year at least, I don't know if it's going to be this way next year, but last year, Jovan Santos-Knox was the best linebacker in the division. So you just upgraded there based on what we saw last year. I I say that a little bit lightly because I know Avery Williams is a guy that could prove you wrong, but I feel like... (laughs) All across the board, they've upgraded. You know, you still, you still are a little bit nervous about the quarterback situation. Yeah, yeah. And right. In theory, Masoli is going to be back and healthy, but there was a little bit of a question mark even before you know when he came in, right? So we'll see. Yeah, um, if he's healthy, yep. and and playing at the level that we saw 
But if you got the Arbuckle first four taking games. regular snaps all the time, it's a problem. Well, right? well like, again, yeah, if Basoli's healthy and looks the way yep. he did the first four games yep. and is healthy throughout the season, that's might not even be the best quarterback in the league, but that's an upper echelon sure. quarterback in the Canadian Football League. And with a really good offensive line, and hopefully we'll see in terms of the receivers, right? We'll, we'll see. Like, I'm a little underwhelmed right. in terms of, you know, I think they've got some really good players in terms of the skill guys. But, you know, they didn't get a Lewis or a Lawler or some no. of the Duke Williams or some of these guys that are out there. So I think Ackland's a fantastic number one. Yeah. I think Justin Hardy showed last year late he can be a number two. I think Nate Bahar is a legit high-end Canadian receiver, and Devon Smith gives you depth there as well. Look, if you get Shaq Evans from 2019 yeah. when he had 1,300 yards, yeah. then I have no concerns whatsoever because I <laughs> think Susiosi Mariner has potential as a receiver, and they're going to have some other young guys as well. But he's been plagued by injuries, Evans. So if Evans isn't the player he was, and we'll see – how he is, mm-hmm. and if Mariners maybe not ready to take that next step, then I kind of feel like maybe they're missing another high end skill guy. But we'll wait and see. Maybe yeah. Devontae Dedman's a guy that can feature a little sure. bit more yeah, on the offense as well. Yeah. So I think, again, when you look at their skill positions and look at their quarterback position, that's where I have the questions. Doesn't mean those answers are going to be bad. It's just I'm not ready to sit here and say 12 wins. Like right, They're right. going to go out and win 12 games. There's just question marks, and especially when whether you're a fan or a broadcaster or whatever, you've been beaten down by these last yeah, three yeah. seasons. And I think the coaching staff is going to be an upgrade just all the way through the lineup. Just the we'll, dynamics we'll, even. Yeah. yeah. I think it was time for – for change, right? Like, no matter what you think of Lapo, when it's gone that bad well, for that long, it's hard to... He lost the room. Yeah. 100%. Simple as that. 100%. He lost the room. Yes. It was obvious to see, for me, at the halfway point last year. And, yeah, I mean, they made the move probably a little later than I would have liked. But in the end, you know, that's water under the bridge. It's a new year. I I, I think the world of Bob Dice, we'll see how he is as a full-time coach. I think he's got all the makings to be a good coach. Right. They've got a fantastic offensive coordinator in Kahari Jones. I'm anxious to see how it's going to work with Baron Miles as the, as the defensive coordinator. I think they've got one of the best position coaches in Michael Fair on the D-line, and they've got some other good position coaches that I think fit the bill. So I think I think they're going to be better, but I don't know if they're – do they win seven games? Do they right. win nine games? Do they win 11 games? I mean, I I hope it's 11. Sure. That'd be I'd, a- I'd settle for eight if they, as long as... A couple are at home. Yeah, well, no, no. <laughs> I'd settle for eight if five are at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? None of this eight if two... If it's two at no, home... No, no, And no. you win eight and six on the road, then that's not good enough. No. I'm with you there. Uh, last thing for you then, just quickly, you mentioned... Long-time Red Blacks, what it means to be a Red Black. We saw Antoine Pruneau announce he's he's retiring. That's a guy who's been here for a very long time. Fans loved, clearly his teammates loved him. A word on him as he announces that he's going to step away. Yeah, I mean, uh, just wore a guy who wore his heart on his sleeve, and his heart was red and black. Yeah. So gave everything. Just super individual, so competitive, and I have no doubt he's going to be successful. And his next calling, I mean, already a pretty good job for him. 
he he could have kept playing, right? Sure, I don't yeah, think yeah. it was going to be here. It was probably going to be in BC with Rick Campbell. Yeah. But was he really going to move his family all the way out west to play year, what? Another year, yeah. maybe two. Yeah. And especially when he's got an opportunity to go right into coaching at his alma mater, assistant defensive coordinator and defensive backs coach. Like that's that's a pretty good gig for him. So yeah, I mean, good for him. Gonna certainly miss, miss him. him. Yeah. I mean, he's the face of the franchise 100%. with the uh Quebec side. Yeah, yeah. Right? Absolutely. Like I don't know who the if, if you're telling me who the face of the franchise is since Henry Burris and say Brad Sinopoli have been gone. I don't know if there is one, but I think you've got between Jeremiah Masoli, Jalen Acklin, uh, Lorenzo Malden. That's a pretty good place to start, yep. right? So, and so t- that's and good. turning himself into that as well, right? Like people are loving that guy too. So, but on the French side, right? Yep. And that's thirty percent of our community, yep. and a large percentage of the Red Blacks fan base as well. I don't know exactly the number, but it's a very large contingent. They love their football in Quebec. Yeah. Is from whether it's across the river or even, you know, Franco Ontario and whatever. I mean, that's going to be a real tough. Like I'm trying to think of who's kind of the automatic guy that's going to replace Antoine Pruno in terms of dealing with the media. And maybe it's a guy like Drew Desjardins who, you know, is, from Windsor, but can speak French and maybe improves in that and, and can help out in the community there. LP Barras is gone, you know, JP Bolduke gone from the year before, right? So you've yeah. got some of the, I mean, there's still other guys, Anthony Goslin and Marco Dubois and uh, amongst others, Adam O'Clair, Cyril Hogan Saint-Don. So there are others that can take the mantle, but, it's you know, and that, that's a big hole yeah. in terms of that community and that, the part of the media and going over there and doing camps in French, right? Because mm-hmm. it makes a difference if you're in Gatineau and you're a football player and Antoine Pruno's coming and running a camp and speaking to you in French, that's a lot different than, you know, someone who speaks to you in English, right? right? So that is, that's definitely a loss, but hopefully they've got enough guys here right now and they can unearth a couple more that can can fill that void a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating season. They they have to get going. Yes. It's, it's, the fans here have been fantastic in what they've tolerated. I'm not sure how much longer you can keep asking them to tolerate it. So it'll be a really interesting season. No doubt we'll try and get you back in here when it's a little closer to uh, to the regular season kickoff. But always appreciate you making the time. You always bring it for us, AJ. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it, man. My pleasure, Matt. Oh, keep keep up the great work. Uh, love Love what you're doing here. <laughs> Uh, AJ Jackiebeck is on TSN 1200 from two to six every day on, uh, on the drive. Uh, go back and check out episode 1068. If you missed it, Kyle Bukoskis from hockey night in Canada was here. That was a lot of fun next week. Arden Swelling will be here Wednesday morning to talk about your blue Jays. And on Friday morning, uh, Angela from the Lake of Bra- uh, Lake of Breeze, Lake of Bay's company will be here. And I think our buddy Graham Creech will be here as, uh, I think he's interested in in checking out some of the samples that she's bringing with her. So uh, lots of good stuff around on the podcast right now. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're hearing us right now. And uh, give us a follow on social media at Talkin Audio. For AJ Jackieback, my name's Matt Robinson. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you all next time. Fuck, man. Thank you, guys. What the hell is that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy?